Good morning and welcome to worship on this 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Welcome to those of you who are joining us via our OSL podcast, via YouTube, or those joining us on our radio broadcast this morning. That broadcast today is sponsored by the family of Jim and Pauline Knudsen in honor of Jim and Pauline's 65th wedding anniversary, which they celebrated October 15th. Happy anniversary to you, Jim and Pauline. We welcome today in worship Dr. Jerry Hoy as our guest musician who shared our prelude with us and will be sharing special music throughout our worship today. Thank you so much, Jerry, for being here with us this morning. I remind you that a bulletin for this service is available uh, for download via our website. And I invite you now to uh, gather some bread, wine, juice, um, light a candle so that you can be prepared to celebrate Holy Communion and set a tone for worship wherever you are. We begin our worship today under the sign of the cross. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us and all of creation. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Let us pray. Ever faithful God, have mercy on us. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We turn from your loving embrace and go our own ways. We pass judgment on one another before examining ourselves. We place our own needs before those of our neighbors. We keep your gift of salvation to ourselves. Make us humble, O God, cast away our transgressions, and turn us again to life in you, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God indeed hears the cries of all who call out in need, and through his death and resurrection, Christ has made us his own. Hear the truth that God proclaims. Your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Led by the Holy Spirit, live in freedom and newness to do God's work in the world. Amen. We join together in singing our gathering hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, hymn number 656. Thank you. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Sovereign God, raise your throne in our hearts. Created by you, let us live in your image. Created for you, let us act for your glory. Redeemed by you, let us give you what is yours. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We now join Pastor Sarah for this morning's children's message. Good morning. You found me today sitting at my kitchen table. I have next to me a stack of letters and cards that I've received over the past couple of weeks. And right now I'm just in the process of writing back to many of the people that I've heard from. I wonder, have you ever gotten a letter in the mail or have you maybe ever sent a letter? I hope many of you Sunday school families got a postcard from us here at OSL this past summer. I wanna start by asking you a question. When you write a letter, what kinds of things do you generally put in that letter? Well, I suppose maybe it depends on what kind of letter you're writing, but for the purposes of today, let's imagine that we're writing a letter to someone that we know, maybe um, a relative or a friend. You might start the letter like this. Dear Grandma, Afterwards, you might say something along the lines of how much you love this person or care for this person or how much you miss them. Then you might continue by saying something about what you've been doing lately or whatever it is that's on your mind, or maybe you have a question that you want to ask them. Finally, at the end of the letter, you might again tell them how much you love them or miss them and tell them that you hope that you can see them again soon. Well, I wonder if you know that the Bible actually has a lot of letters in it. When we read parts of the New Testament, we're actually reading someone else's mail. That maybe seems a little bit strange, but it's okay. In fact, many of the letters that we have in the Bible leave specific instructions that those letters should be read by all people. Here, for example, is how the end of uh, Paul's letter to the first Thessalonian goes. It says, greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I solemnly command you by the Lord that this letter be read to all of them. So you see, it's really okay that we're reading these letters, that we're reading somebody else's mail. Paul intended them to be read not only by the people that first received them, but also to be read by you and by me. Well, I don't know if you know who Paul is or not. We sometimes call Paul Saint Paul or the Apostle Paul, and we first meet him in the book of Acts. It's there in the book of Acts that we hear Paul's story about how he traveled around the world and told people all about the stories of Jesus and how he helped to found churches in many of the places that he visited. Like I said, we often call Paul Saint Paul or the Apostle Paul, but I kind of like to think of Paul as letter writer Paul, and that's because Paul wrote a lot of the letters that we find in the New Testament. Paul wrote all kinds of letters. He wrote letters to, all, to a variety of the churches that he visited, like the church in Thessalonica. 
and he wrote letters to individual people, like the letter to Philemon. Sometimes he even wrote more than one letter to a church. We know for certain that Paul wrote at least two letters to the church in Corinth. And we know that Paul wrote for a variety of reasons. Sometimes he was trying to answer questions that they had asked of him. Sometimes he was just checking in or trying to offer a word of encouragement. Paul had to write letters because, of course, phones and email and text and other forms of social media hadn't been invented yet. And because Paul wasn't always free to travel, sometimes he was busy working in another city or with another church. Sometimes the weather got in his way and he couldn't travel. Near the end of his life, Paul was actually in prison and couldn't travel either. And yet Paul still wanted to stay in touch with all of these people and all of the churches that he loved and cared about. So he wrote them letters. Today, one of our confirmation students, Megan, is going to be reading a letter um, that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. We're going to be reading parts of the first letter to the Thessalonians. And in that letter, you will hear um, Paul greet the Thessalonians, and then he will give thanks for all of the work that the Thessalonians have been doing um, and for their faith. Most of the letters that we find in the Bible follow a similar format to the kind of letters we write today, and Paul follows that. He starts with that greeting and that word of thanks or love or care, and then Paul kind of gets down to business in the letter, and then his letters usually end with a word of give my regards to or greet everybody with a holy kiss. The letter today that we're reading um, from the to the Thessalonians is probably one of Paul's most thankful letters. Paul just can't stop saying thank you and, and expressing his gratitude for the Thessalonians' faith and for the work that they have been doing. It's definitely Paul's most thankful letter. And even when he has seemed to change topic, Paul comes back again and again to that message of thankfulness. You know, as we move through the end of October and begin to move into November, it's a good time for us to, to remember and to think about those people that we are thankful for. And maybe today, because of COVID, because we can't travel the way we would like and we can't gather with as many people as we like, maybe this too is a good time for us to get out our pen and paper and practice writing a letter. And so I challenge you this morning to do that. Think about someone that you are thankful for and then sit down and write them a letter giving thanks for the wonderful things that this person has done for you or for all that this person means to you. Thanks for joining me this morning. I'm going to head back to the sanctuary, but first our worship will continue as we hear from Megan Hansen as she reads our first lesson. A reading from 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the Church of Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor and love. Steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you, because of our message of the gospel came to you, not in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and the Lord, for in spite of persecution you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place in your faith God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of these regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. We join together in singing our gospel acclamation. Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God, the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Beloved of God, grace, peace, and mercy to you all. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. My friends, how are you doing some of you know that we record our worship services on Thursday. And so today, as we record this service, it is Thursday, October 15th, which marks exactly seven months since we last gathered in person together for worship. It's a long time, longer than I expected it to be. And as numbers here in the state of Wisconsin rise, we will need to stay this virtual course for a while yet. I miss you, both Pastor Heather and I miss seeing you and connecting with you on a regular basis. But despite the physical distance, you are never far from our thoughts and are always in our prayers. And we remain especially grateful for the continued opportunity to be in ministry together and for all of the ways we share in faith, love, and hope. In the first reading that we heard this morning, Paul also commends the Thessalonians for their faith, love, and hope. 
Most of us are familiar with this trio of words, but in a slightly different order, faith, hope, and love. This is the order from that beautiful passage in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. But the church in Thessalonica is not the church in Corinth. While the Corinthians might have needed a reminder about the nature of love, the Thessalonians are in need of something else, encouragement in hope. And so in this letter, hope gets the honored last spot on the list. 1 Thessalonians is the earliest of Paul's letter, and it is written to a church that Paul, together with Timothy and Silvanus, who, by the way, is called Silas in the book of Acts, helped to found. The trio had received word that the Thessalonians were experiencing some persecution, and while Paul longed to go and see them, he couldn't. Instead, Timothy went and returned with a word that the Thessalonians remained steadfast in their faith and love. So much so that as Paul writes to them, he can't stop giving thanks for the ways in which the Thessalonians have been embodying their faith in their daily life and how they have become an example for other believers. What's noticeably missing from Timothy's report, however, is hope. The early church, including believers in Thessalonica, thought that Jesus' return was imminent. They all largely expected to witness it. But when some members of the church in Thessalonica began to die before Jesus returned, their hope began to wane. And so Paul writes to reassure them and comfort them and to encourage them in hope. Biblical hope, Christian hope is not wishful thinking. It's not the same as saying, I hope there is pumpkin pie for dessert tonight. That hope is a wish, a desire on my part to eat pumpkin pie. But there is nothing to base that kind of hope on. Nor is Christian hope unbridled optimism either. Christian hope does not demand that you are cheery all of the time. It does not suggest that in spite of your suffering or your grief, that you simply put on a happy face. Real hope requires some kind of basis to justify one's sense of hope. It has to be grounded in something real. We have hope because we have experienced something that makes our hope possible. My pumpkin pie example can become a real hope if when I walk into the kitchen, I see an opened can of pumpkin on the counter and can smell those pumpkin pie spices wafting from the oven. When Paul seeks, what, what Paul seeks to remind the Thessalonians of, what he seeks to remind you and me of, is that Christians do have a foundation for their hope. Our hope in the promises of God are based on what God has done in Christ Jesus. That hope has a future aspect to it. That God has raised Jesus from the dead grounds our hope for that day when Jesus will come in glory, when all of the promises of God will be fulfilled, when God will reign forever and ever, and God's kingdom will have no end. And those who have died in faith will not be excluded, but will be raised and will live with the Lord forever.
this is what Paul emphasizes here because it is worrying to the Thessalonians. But just as the church in Thessalonica is not the same as the church in Corinth, neither is the church of today the same as the church in Thessalonica. Most Christians today do not expect Jesus to return imminently. We have largely settled into the kind of hope that Paul encourages, trusting that when that glorious day does come, we will be reunited with all of the saints and live together with Christ in the presence of God. Our hope wanes not for that future day, but for the present day. Our hope wanes as this pandemic drags on and we wonder whether God has even noticed. Our hope wanes as we wonder whether our voice will be heard, whether the racism that is so much a part of our society will ever be overcome, whether the phone messages left with our representatives or our senators will be passed on, whether sewing a face mask really makes a difference, whether donating a bag of groceries will have any impact at all on hunger in our community. Our hope wanes as our collective vision becomes cloudy and we lose sight of God's presence among us and in the world. Our hope wanes as we are bombarded with so many voices demanding our attention and our loyalty and our trust so that we can no longer hear that still small voice of God who is speaking in our ear and calling to us by name. Our hope wanes when we assume that this life is nothing but a placeholder until we reach that final glorious future day. But you see, while Christian hope has a future component, it also has a right now component too. That God has raised Jesus from the dead not only grounds our hope for that great and glorious and future day, it also grounds our hope for the ordinary, for the everyday, for today. That God came to us in Jesus, that God poured God's self out upon us through the Holy Spirit, infuses the mundaneness of a Monday or a Tuesday or a Thursday with a holiness and a purpose born of God's presence with us right now in this moment. And in this moment and in all of our moments, God is near to us in every breath that we take, in the bread and wine that we eat and drink, in the encouraging smile of our neighbor, in the cards, letters, emails, and texts of family and friends. The experience of God, this sight, this sound, this taste of God so near is the ground of our hope for daily living. At that moment when you wonder, when you wonder whether anything you say or do will make a difference in this world, when you wonder whether God still cares about you, then Christian hope is there to shout yes and thanks be to God. It is God's presence with us and in us and through us that turns all of our works into works of faith and labors of love. Ours is not to bide time, 
but to live and in living to bear witness to not only the hope that we have for the future, but the hope that we have right now. God is present with us. God is at work in the world despite the fact that the pandemic rages on, despite the fact that the world seems to be full of only bad news. God has seen God's people through difficult times before and God is surely leading us through this time as well. You know, later in his life, in a letter to the Romans, Paul had this to say, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Hope does not disappoint. Friends in Christ, I know these are difficult times, but take heart and hang in there. The Lord is near and watching over you, and we will eventually be together again. But for now, let us stay the course. Let us continue in our works of faith and love, confident that our hope will not disappoint because our hope lies in the Lord Jesus. Amen. We join together in singing our hymn of the day. All my hope on God is founded, hymn number 757. And we will sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together.
together we confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. With confidence in God's grace and mercy, let us pray for the church, for the world, for all those in need. After each petition, we sing together, Lord, listen to your children praying. Gracious God, you call us by name and invite us to share your good news. Send your Holy Spirit among preachers, missionaries, and evangelists. We give thanks for the witness of your servant Luke, the evangelist whom the church commemorates this day. God of praise, the heavens and all creation declare your salvation. From the rising of the sun to its setting, may the whole universe show forth your goodness. Raise up devoted stewards of all that you have made. We pray to the Lord. Thank you. 
loving God, in joy you give us to each other to be partners in our journey through life. By your grace, strengthen John and Rachel Radke, who were married yesterday, to practice patience, kindness, gentleness with each other. Fill them with your love and keep them faithful to each other and to you. Living God, as you raise Jesus from the dead, so raise up those who have died in you. We give you thanks for their witness, confident of your rescuing welcome for all. Listen as we call on you, O God, and enfold us all in your loving arms. We pray to the Lord. peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you wherever you are to share a sign, a greeting of peace with those you may be gathered with this day for worship and receive our greeting as well. Peace be with you. Peace. We thank you for your continued generosity, for all the ways that you support the work of helping those in need in our greater community and the ways that you support our ongoing ministry here at our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support is vital as we continue to follow in the ways and work of Jesus. We welcome your offerings to OSL and our shared ministry. You're invited to send your offering to our church office or use our online giving option you can find on our website at oslme.com. If you have yet to gather wine or juice and bread for communion, I invite you to do so now. As we sing together our offertory, let the vineyards be fruitful. your good creation. Prepare us for your heavenly banquet. Nourish us with this rich food and drink, and send us forth to set tables in the midst of a suffering world through the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. <laughs> 
Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to share communion with those with whom you are gathered, or to receive this gift of Jesus yourself. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. As you share these gifts at home, we hear a gift of special music from Dr. Jerry Hoy. He will be singing for us the prayer.
Jerry, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that gift with us today. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, gracious God, that you have once again fed us with food beyond compare, the body and blood of Christ. Send us forth, nourished and forgiven, into your beloved vineyard to wipe away the tears of all who hunger and thirst, guided by the example of the same Jesus Christ, and led by the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. As you go forth into the rest of your day, go forth with this blessing. May our Mother in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you and lead you into the way of truth and life. Amen. First of all, I second Pastor Sarah's appreciation. Thank you, Jerry, for sharing such beautiful gifts of music with us this day. You have enriched our worship tremendously. So thank you for being here. I share a few announcements as well as I brief you the ministers of OSL. I remind you that every Wednesday we gather for a couple of worship opportunities. First at 9 a.m. for our morning prayer matin service via Zoom with Pastor Sarah. If you'd like to join that group, contact her. She'll get you connected. And in addition, at 5.30 p.m. we meet in our parking lot for a Compline night prayer service. Um, bring a chair, your mask, although if we spread out far enough, um, we can join in that service together. Uh, we invite you to uh, join your OSL sisters and brothers for that time of prayer and reflection. Another new opportunity coming up as Advent is around the corner this year, we will be creating an Advent devotional written by you, the members of OSL. We invite you to write a short paragraph or so describing one of your favorite traditions around the Christmas holiday. This could include anything from baking to decorating to making a favorite meal or singing carols together, getting dressed up for Christmas Eve services, anything that your family may do together. Consider sharing um, some of those details like how your tradition started, how it's changed, what it means to you. We invite you to send um, your Christmas, Christmas traditions to Pastor Sarah, and we'd ask that you could do so no later than November 12th, so we can um, compile a devotional ready in time for the start of the season of Advent. If you have any questions at all, please contact Pastor Sarah. I'd like to remind you as well that our Sunday school program is happening virtually. And there are opportunities for you to participate by reading a Bible story that would be recorded um, for those virtual um, lessons for Sunday school. Again, if you have questions, you'd be willing to share um, a recorded Bible story, please contact Pastor Sarah. Just contact Pastor Sarah. That's the lesson today. Contact her. <laughs> Finally, I remind you that if there is um, a prayer concern that you may have or you wish to visit with one of your pastors or one of your parish nurses, please reach out to us. We are here for you. You can find all our contact information on our website at oslme.com.
We conclude our worship now with our sending hymn we sing together. Lift every voice and sing hymn number 841, verse 1.